Tatsanga Brahmsita Ishwaryam Tatsanga Brahmsita Ishwaryam Tatsanga Brahmsita Ishwaryam Sangsarantam Kubharyavat Sangsarantam Kubharyavat Sangsarantam Kubharyavat Tatsanga Brahmsintaishvayam Samsarantam Kubharyavat Tad Gratir Abhudasheha Tad Gratir Abhudasheha Tad Gratir Abhudasheha Kim Asat Karma Bir Bhavet Kimasat karma bir bavet. Kimasat karma bir bavet. Kadgatir abudashyeha. Kimasat karma bir bavet. Tatsanga brahmashitaishvayam. Sangsarantam kubhayavat Tadgatira buddhasheha Kimasat karma bibavet Tadsanga brahmashitaishvayam Sangsarantam kubhayavat Tadgatira buddhasheha Kimasat karma birbavet Tatsanga By the association with the prostitute of intelligence Brahmshita Taken away Aishvaryam the opulence of independence. Sangsarantam, undergoing the material way of life. Kubharyavat, exactly like a person who has a polluted wife. Tadgati, the movements of the polluted intelligence. Abhudasya, of one who does not know. Iha, in this world. Kim asat karma bhi bhavet. 
What can be the benefit of performing temporary fruitive activities? So we can see just by the, the, the transliteration here how Narad Muni is actually speaking quite strongly. He, he's really, you know, laying it on thick, as we say. Because, you know, sometimes it, 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 in order to um, snap someone out of, out of their ignorance, you really need to tell it to them how it is. It's just like when I was a, a young fella, um, I, I, I used to um, do life-saving training. You know, I've got the intermediate bar, intermediate star, all that sort of stuff. And which is kind of like, you know, especially, especially focusing on in, in swimming pools and stuff, it's okay. Uh, and, and the idea is like, like sometimes when, when you're trying to save a drowning person because they panic and, and, and they don't actually think rationally. And, and so, you know, you might go up to save them and they'll drown you in the process because they're, they're just, what they do is they try to climb on top of things so they can get out of the water because they're panicking because they're, they're, they're you know, not, not comfortable being in the water. So what they do is, is that you come up and they, they grab you and they push you down trying to get out of the water. And so then we, we were taught to actually use quite extreme measures. You, you come up behind them and you hit them to knock them out. That would be the idea, or shock them. Yeah? Because it's either, you know, if you don't do that, then they'll wind up drowning you. And we see, you know, oftentimes in a situation where people are under pressure or under, uh, under great stress, they act in ways which they normally wouldn't do. And, and so sometimes you need to shock people out of that ignorance. And that's what Narad Muni is talking about here. And we see there's many uh, places in the Bhagavatam, in particular, there's, a, there's one section about uh, uh, Prachnabahishat, where, where, where Narad Muni is preaching the Prachnabahishat. And then he tells this allegorical story about Paranjana and how Paranjana comes, becomes a woman in his next life and all that sort of thing. And he's telling this story about a goat, like this goat with a you know, big, big sort of beard and, and how the goat becomes so attached to his wife and becomes controlled by his wife. And then at one point, Prachnabahishat, yeah, because he's telling it in a very graphic and a very strong way. And at one point, Prachnabahishat, he has this realization, he says, oh, I'm that goat. You know, so this, this is why that Narad Muni, sometimes he, he uses very strong language to try to um, you know, snap people out of their ignorance. And you will see you know, the, the, the guru, um, sometimes the word guru means heavy. And we find that sometimes the spiritual master has to speak to the disciple in a way that's very, very strong in order to... Uh, dissipate the ignorance, dissipate the illusion uh, that we're, we're all subjected to. And especially if the guru sees the disciple has the capacity, then the guru will, will oftentimes speak to the disciple in a very, very strong way, especially if they are covered by ignorance, as we see here. Um, this is the point that Narad Muni is making. I think, I'm sorry, I was only asked like 15 minutes ago to give class. I had, you know, I was expecting to sit down and be listening to a nice class from Prabhu and, and you know, being enlightened. But here I am now in the situation where I have to speak. So I'm not even sure who he's speaking with here. I think it might be the Hayashvas, yeah? Yeah, the Hayashvas. Um, so the, the idea here, actually what I'll do is I'll read Prabhupada's purport, then I'll continue uh, the translation. 
Narad Muni had spoken of a man who is the husband of the prostitute. The Hayashvas understood this as follows. If one becomes the husband of a prostitute, he loses all independence. Similarly, if a living entity has polluted intelligence, he prolongs his materialistic life. Frustrated by material nature, he must follow the movements of the intelligent, intelligence, which brings various conditions of happiness and distress. If one performs fruitive activities under such conditions, what will be the benefit? And ultimately, Narada is saying there is no benefit in fruitive activities at all because you just wind up being frustrated. But a really interesting analogy that, that that's being used here, and I think something that's very relevant to this day and age, um, about, you know, like if, if a man becomes the husband of a prostitute, and we can see that it's very common that people, you know, young men, when they want to get married, you know, they want to have the most beautiful wife. And the wife wants to have the most handsome, strong husband who can make lots of money so they can live a nice, comfortable life. So their whole perception, their whole kind of idea about happiness and enjoyment in this material world is based on material acquisition. You know, if I have a beautiful wife, I'm going to be happy. You know, but usually the, the, the notion of a beautiful wife in, in this day and age is someone who likes to flaunt all their wares you know, essentially wearing very, very scanty clothes and, and very flirtatious, et cetera, et cetera, you know, and uses all the perfumes and the makeups and all this kind of stuff to make themselves look as attractive as possible to the opposite sex. Or they go to the gym and, you know, I, I mean, I, I was kind of like, um, last week I, I was in Sydney and, uh, and I was in, in the city just doing some, uh, you know, actually getting a new bag. And, um, and, and it's just, I, I was looking at, at the way the people were dressed, the ladies were dressed, and I was thinking that they're really unfortunate, you know, because they're thinking that this is going to bring them happiness because they're flaunting their bodies to attract a man. But actually, they're behaving just like a prostitute. And we see that people who have this kind of mentality they're very flickering in their nature, as I can see in the past verse that, that uh, the previous verse that was being sp spoken about, is this unsteady nature. And so what happens is a man will get a woman who's like that, who's very, very attractive, and he's thinking he's got everything, he's got perfection, he's got the best, most beautiful wife. But then we actually see what happens in the majority of cases is these marriages end in divorce. And when the marriages break, then the person's hearts break also because they've invested so much um, energy and so much of their affection in that person. But you know, because they're so attached to the externals and they're not actually seeing what's going on, they're not you know, so much caught up in, you know, or so much aware of the relationship or, or you know, one thing that often happens, we see even, and this is really common in devotee marriages, by the way, um, we read the Bhagavatam, right? And we read about these perfect personalities in the Bhagavatam, you know, Kashyapa and, 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 and uh, Diti and, and uh, Kadama and Devahuti and, and, you know, all these personalities, how they have these ideal marriages. And I was discussing this with someone last night. And, and these are ideal persons. These are, you know, like, like extremely elevated devotees. And they're very cultured and they're also they're living in an age which is very different from where we're living you know they're living in 
in the Vedic age and, and, and think, you know, the mode of goodness is much more prominent. They're much more uh, um, sort of steeped in the process of devotional, of, of bhakti, because their whole lives, they grew up as devotees, they've been living their whole lives as, as devotees. And, and so oftentimes what happens is when devotees get married, especially, I, I, I see this happen a lot with their husbands, is they have this idea that, oh, my wife is going to be just like Devahuti or just like this one or just like that one, you know? And, and so, but they're, they're not like Kata Mamuni or anything like that, you know? But they expect their wives are going to be like that. And, and you know, so they have this like, like you know, like two-dimensional view of, of reality. It's all like, you know, two-dimensional. But then as I was mentioning this, to this devotee I was talking to last night, okay, the Bhagavatam describes, you know, what's going on, but what about what goes on behind closed doors? What about the relation, you know, the, the conversations they have behind closed doors? What about the, 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 the ins and outs of the relationship? You know, it, the Bhagavatam tends to talk about, at least in my experience, the, um, you know, more about their, their qualities and how they practice devotional service stuff. And sometimes you'll see there's a bit of discussion about relationships, but not so much. And in, in any kind of relationship, there needs to be, um, you know, conversation, there needs to be compromise, there needs to be, you know, so many aspects there, which we, we see it is, it's definitely it's touched on in the Bhagavatam, there's no doubt about that. But, um, you know, if, if we try to live our lives based on these great personalities in the Bhagavatam without becoming those great personalities, it's not going to work. If, if our motivation, and this is, this is one thing that's so common in this day and age, is, is that we see that people will get married to someone else based on their looks, based on their money, based on their whatever. But they don't bother to take the time to find out how compatible I am with this person, you know, um, to have the, you know, before they get married, to have the conversation about, you know, well, so many things, you know, about likes and dislikes, about, you know, raising children, about, about, you know, all these types of things that go on in a relationship. So what happens then is when they get married and they, you know, so you're locked into the contract, so to speak. Then you start to find out what the person's really like. And then some, what happens down the track is you actually find out, oh, I don't really like this person. Because your initial approach was based on externalities. And that's what's being talked about here. It, it is, is how, you know, if, if a, uh, a man marries a prostitute, or a woman who behaves like a prostitute, or in the same way, you know, if a woman marries a man who's got the same nature, then ultimately they're going to be dissatisfied. This is, this is why it's, it's really important, you know, for us to cultivate the process of bhakti, even though we may have a mind which is very flickering. And we see, in, especially in this day and age, people's minds are very unsteady, very, un, you, know, uh, you know, whatever, astrolog astrological influence, etc. But people are very unsteady. So, you know, if they don't work on developing themselves, if they don't work on self-improvement, which we understand in all reality, the only thing that you can really do to improve your character is take seriously to the process of bhakti. Because uh, I remember years ago hearing, hearing the phrase, I'm not exactly sure where it's from, but there's no material solutions to material problems. There's only spiritual solutions. Because you can see, like, like you know, I mean, you, you take anything, anything in this material world that, that, that's going on, like, you know, motor cars, technology, etc., etc. 
You know, most of these things have been, been invented to solve a problem, isn't it? Like computers, they've been invented to solve problems. They've been, you know, like cars, they've been invented so we can get from one place to the other more quickly. But if you take the time to analyze the situation, okay, take one thing like the car, right? It was invented so people could go from one place to the other more quickly, right? How much misery has come as a result of cars? You know, they had this little bit of misery. It took them a long time to get from one place to another. Now we find, just in a country like Australia, I don't know what the toll is now, but it used to be around about 5,000 people a year were killed on the roads, not to mention how many people each year are maimed and disfigured. In India, it's 100,000 people a year are killed on the roads, not to mention how many people are maimed and disfigured. I mean, sometimes, you know, when you have various health issues, at least myself, when you have various health issues, what I do is I go to the emergency ward, and then as you're walking into the emergency ward, they've got all these pictures of people who were maimed or disfigured in automobile accidents. This is up in Wollombar, at least, on the, on the wall in the emergency room, you know, so you can kind of, you know, it gives you a bit of a, it's a little bit like the way Narad Mooney is preaching here. It's like shock tactics, you know, to shock you into understanding, you know. It's a dangerous place out there. But also it just helps you to see that, like, you know, these material solutions, they don't really solve the problem. They just, give it, they just shift it to something else. The problem is there, but it just gets shifted. And oftentimes we find it becomes amplified because we're trying to solve this difficult um, situation with a material solution. But if we take to a spiritual solution, then actually what happens is rather than necessarily the problem changing, our mentality changes. And rather than trying to fix the situation, we learn to tolerate the situation. And this is one of the things that Arjuna is taught by Krishna in the beginning of the Gita, because Arjuna is really you know, stressed out because he's going to have to kill you know, Drona, Bhishma, and all these dearly beloved persons. And what does Krishna tell him to do? You tolerate these things without being disturbed. Because the fact of it is, it's like there's happiness and distress. That is the nature of this material world. It's the world of duality. We need to understand that there is going to be happiness, there is going to be distress. Just tolerate these things. And Krishna, he gives the analogy, he says it's just like the appearance and disappearance of summer and winter seasons. Just like, you know, I notice most of you just have t-shirts or shirts on. You know, I've got a woolen top on because I'm feeling cold. So it's just sense perception. My senses perceive it differently from your senses. You know, Prabhu's sitting here with a chatter on, you know. I'd be quite cold if I was sitting here like that. Yeah. But it's just sense perception. That's all it is. And because you have a particular set of senses, that then you perceive things in a particular way. I have a different set of senses. We all have different senses. And so we all perceive things, experience things, and respond to things in a different way. But the process of bhakti helps us to understand how everything in this world is indeed temporary. And therefore, we need to tolerate these things, understanding that it's going to pass. And of course, I, I find that as I get older, it becomes a bit easier uh, to see things like that. Where, where, when you're young, you know, it's like I remember when I was in the 20s, I wanted everything and I wanted it right now. I didn't want to wait till tomorrow, I wanted it now. And so this is the mode of passion. Mode of passion is very prominent when you're younger. And as you uh, get older, I'm not sure whether I'm gliding down into ignorance or I'm moving towards goodness, but I know I'm, I'm not so much in passion. Yeah? 
Um, but you find that you, you do tend to tolerate things a little bit more because you know, time helps you to see that you, know, you may endeavor for these things, but they don't actually come exactly the way you want or as quickly as you, they want, as you want. I'll read Prabhupada's Prabhupada. Polluted intelligence has been compared to a prostitute. One who has not purified his intelligence is said to be controlled by that prostitute. And this is the point here, it mentions Abhudasya. So buddhi means intelligence when you have abuddhi. Uh, what's that? Uh, it talks in that verse there about how when one has impure intelligence, then they, they have so many misperceptions or misconceptions about spiritual life. Um, in the, uh, as stated in Bhagavad Gita 241, those who are actually serious are conducted by one kind of intelligence, namely intelligence in Krishna consciousness. So Prabhupada's making that point straight away. This is a serious person, one who's actually interested in Krishna consciousness. Bahu shakti hanantascha buryo vyavasayanam. One who is not fixed in proper intelligence discovers many modes of life. And this is a really interesting point. Prabhupada is saying that one who's not fixed in proper consciousness, they're, 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 you know, they're, and they're constantly inventing things, just like anyone who has anything to do with technology, phones or whatever like that, will know that every year they're bringing out new phones. Like each company's got their, their, their range of phones they're bringing out, or new computers, or new whatever, you know, new cars. I mean, how many new, new cars are released each, each year? You know, so we see that, that um, you know, because of their, their, their conscience, they're not satisfied. This is the point. If a person's satisfied, then whatever they have, they're, they're peaceful with that. But because of being driven by the lower modes of nature, they're not satisfied. Therefore, they have to create newer and newer things to try to satisfy the mind and the intelligence. But the thing is, no matter how much they create, no matter how much they do, still the same point is there. They're not satisfied. And they never will be satisfied. There's no possibility of being satisfied with the material nature. Why? Because it's temporary. Because it's by nature full of misery, as Krishna points this out in the Gita. This is the position in this material world, is everything is temporary and it's full of ignorance. Therefore, it brings about distress. So it's not possible to be satisfied. Thus, involved in material activities, he's exposed the different modes of material nature and subject to varieties of so-called happiness and distress. If a man becomes the husband of a prostitute, he cannot be happy. And similarly, one who follows the dictations of material intelligence and material consciousness will never be happy. And this is exactly what we see happening. If you're just a little bit observant, you'll see this is what's going on in this material world, is they're following the dictates of material intelligence, material happiness, therefore they are not happy. They, never, they can never be happy. One must judiciously understand the activities of material nature, as stated in Bhagavad Gita. So Prabhupada is saying, you've got to judiciously, you very carefully analyze what's happening here in this material world and understand the way the material nature works. And then when you understand the way it works, you're not going to want to have anything to do with it because you can see it's a very, very difficult situation in this material world. And then as stated in Bhagavad Gita 3.27, Prakrate kriyamanani gunai kamri sabasha ahankaravi mutatma kartaham iti manyate. The bewildered soul under the influence of the three modes of material nature thinks himself the doer of activities which are, which are in actuality carried out by nature. 
Although one follows the dictations of material nature, he happily thinks himself the master or husband of material nature. Scientists, for example, try to be masters of material nature, life after life, not caring to understand the Supreme Person under whose direction everything within this material world is moving. And Krishna says that suyate sacharacharam, that everything is moving under my direction. And, 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 and you know, for a devotee, we understand that not a blade of grass moves. Nothing moves in this material world without the sanction of the Lord. Everything, as he points out in the Gita, he says, Aham sarvam That I am the source of all material and spiritual worlds. Everything emanates from me. And the wise who perfectly know this, they engage in my devotional service and worship me with all, the, all their hearts. But Prabhupada's pointing out the materialists, they're thinking they're the control of the material world. And this brings them frustration. Why? Because they're not seeing reality. They're seeing illusion. They're experiencing illusion. They're trying to manipulate the illusion. And as a result, they become covered. But one who, who, who endeavors to understand the reality, who endeavors to understand, accepts that everything's coming from Krishna, and that Krishna is the supreme controller, and Krishna is the supreme enjoyer, and Krishna is the only friend. As Krishna says, knowing this, they attain peace. Knowing me in this way, they attain peace. But the others, they'll never attain peace. It's not possible. Hope against hope, as Prabhupada would often say. You know, we see like, you know, the United Nations reformed, you know, um, I think it was in between the two wars it was formed. Um, anyway, it's been around for quite a while. And the whole idea with the United Nations was to unite all nations so there'd be peace in the world. But have they achieved that? Has there ever been a time in the last 50, 60, 70 years where there hasn't been a war? There's always war going on somewhere. And why is this? Because they're trying to be the controller, they're trying to be the enjoyer. And because of this, then they'll never know peace. They, you know, this Prabhupada, oh, Krishna gives this as, as the formula for success in this world. Um, and then Prabhupada makes a really interesting uh, statement. Trying to be masters of material nature, they are imitation gods who declare to the public that scientific advancement will one day be able to avoid the so-called control of God. Can you believe that? That's extraordinary. I'll, I'll read it again. I, I just, it just struck me when I was reading it just before. Trying to be the masters of material nature, they are imitation gods who declare to the public that scientific advancement will one day be able to avoid the so-called control of God. They're trying to set themselves up as God. They're trying to control material nature. Just like I saw something in the news the other day which I, I thought was extraordinary. It was actually a few months ago. Um, Apparently, there's an asteroid that's on its way towards Earth, and it's going to go quite close. So NASA, the supreme scientists in the USA, have this plan. They're going to send up a spaceship, and the goal of this spaceship is to crash into this asteroid to knock it out of the way so it doesn't hit Earth, yeah? or so in the future it can't hit Earth. They're doing it to test it out and see. But what's going to happen is their activities are going to create eventually down the line, some kind of calamity. They're trying to avoid calamity, but you can't avoid calamity. Because, you know, as, as we see, you know, Prabhupada says, he said, don't be surprised that there's always calamity in this world. And we find, just, just like, you look at the past few years, right? Um, was it 2018, 2019, we had those massive bushfires, right? Huge bushfires. 
Then 2020, 2021, we had a pandemic. Now, you know, 2022, we had the worst floods ever in the history of northern New South Wales. I mean, you know, like the, la the, last, the last flood they had in, 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 in Lismore, um, I forgot the name of the river there, the Rouse River, I think it is, or Roos or Rouse, whatever they call it. The, the level of, of, of the river went up to 22 metres above its normal. This time it went up to 24 metres, two metres above its normal level. Usually it's like 100 mil here and there, two metres above. Mwollomba, the, um, they have, uh, for those of you who have been to Mwollomba, when you cross over into the, in, from South Mwollomba to Mwollomba, if you look down the river, you'll see there's a concrete wall, which was built back in the 50s. That, that wall has never been topped. The water's never gone over that wall. In all, it was like last, last flood, it was about that far below it. This time it went over the wall and flooded the whole town. And David Gohari had a meter of water in his restaurant. You know, and so, some of the devotees had, like Gokul and Velas Mataji have got a, an apartment building they own in town. There was two meters in the ground floor of that apartment building. So we can see there's constant calamity. What's next? Now there's a war going on in Ukraine. And, and you know, hundreds of thousands of people are, are being either killed or you know, uh, injured or displaced. Millions of people, I, I can't remember what it was, but millions of people are being displaced. Four or five million people have been displaced. They, they left their homes. And, and you can see pictures of it. The towns are just devastated. It's just incredible what's going on. But that's just what's happening in this material world. It's just one calamity after the next, after the next, after the next. And the more we try to manipulate the material energy, the more we try to control the material energy, the more we'll be dominated by the material energy. But the more we surrender to Krishna, the less the material energy is going to affect us. And this is the only solution. But the materialistic scientists, thinking they're God, thinking they can overcome the control of God, they, they try to uh, avoid it. And, and as a result, what happens is they rain calamity down on, on, on the population. And it just falls like rain everywhere, indiscriminately. Because they're, they're denying the existence of God, they're denying the control of God, and trying to be God themselves. In fact, however, the living being, unable to control the rulings of God, is forced to associate with a prostitute of polluted intelligence and accept various material bodies. As stated in Bhagavad Gita 13.22, Purusha Prakriti Stohi Bhunti Prakriti Jangunam Karanam Gunasangosa Sad Asad Yoni Janmasu. The living entity in the material nature thus follows the ways of life, enjoying the three modes of nature. This is due to his association with that material nature. Thus he meets with good and evil amongst various species. If one fully engages in temporary fruitive activities and does not solve his real problems, of, uh, solve this real problem, what profit will he gain? So Prabhupada here, it, it, with this verse from the Bhagavad Gita, is really summing up the, the, this whole purport and also the, 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 uh, the Hayashva's assessment of Narad Muni's instructions, is that if we try to exploit material nature, if we try to follow these materialistic ways of life, then what happens is this sad asad yonajamisu is we we take various auspicious and inauspicious births and as a result we're forced to enjoy the reactions uh, 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 of material life. You know this because what we, you know you have different choices to make. But if if one tries to be the controller and the enjoyer, then the material nature facilitates that. But along with being the controller and enjoyer, you also have to take the reactions for those activities. But if one endeavors to surrender to Krishna, 
then you, you, you eventually come to this point where you become freed, you, you know, you get to this point of akarma, where there's no reaction to, to your activities. And actually because you're, all your activities are spiritual activities, then, then ultimately you're going to get to the point where you're not involved in, in the karma of this material world and ultimately come to the point where you become completely detached and completely disconnected from material actions and reactions. So this is the, the, the uh, one, it's not the, the, it's not the ultimate, ultimate point, obviously the ultimate point is to develop pure love for Krishna, but this is one of the results of practicing bhakti, is that we become aloof, we become detached from material nature. Therefore, we're not forced. See, ma the materialist is forced. You know, they, they, they try to do so many different things, and, th and this point is made by, uh, Kapiladev in the third canto, his Kamana Devinetra Janta Dehapapatra Striva Vishudra He's forced to enter into the into the womb. No choice. It's not like, you know, you know, you 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 want to choose a particular body, you go to Coles or somewhere like you know, that and choose, you know, I want this body, I want this type of hair, I want these type of teeth, I want this. No, you're forced according to Kamana Devanetrena, according to your karma and under the supervision of the divine. You're forced to enter into a particular body to uh, experience different types of karma and, and, and to live in a particular way. And your family, uh, friends, relatives, the whole thing's chosen for you. And these really shape the way you wind up being in life. But Krishna consciousness actually gives us, the, you know, when the living entity comes into contact with Krishna consciousness, it gives them the capacity to choose their destination. But if we're just following material ways of life, there's no choice. You're forced. Uh, so. These verses are really uh, instructive for us because they, they, they help us to understand very clearly uh, the situation in this material world. And it's, it's nice that, you know, because I, I, I came the other day uh, when, I, is it Sharon is it Ram's wife? There's a Jamuna Leela, I think. And she was giving class and she was talking about Narad Muni and, and, and um, you know, how great a personality he is and, and, and how he, he's. If you look in throughout the Bhagavatam, we see how he's, of every major personality, he's practically speaking, he, he, he's either their, their direct guru, their siksha guru, or he's giving them instruction. And he appears right throughout the Bhagavatam. And as I was saying before, sometimes we see with Narad Muni, sometimes he, he uses these allegorical stories or, or um, you know, d different ways he uses to try to bring the, the living entity to the point of understanding the reality. And he's very, very expert, very, very expert, expert preacher. Yeah. And um, also uh, you know, intimate associate of the Lord, very much involved in facilitating Krishna's pastimes. So very, very uh, interesting. And so these instructions here from Narad Muni, very, very powerful instructions. And if we can take them to heart, they'll have great um, effect. Okay, so sorry for the disjointed class. Like I said, I wasn't didn't realize I, I could be asked to give class there. I was just coming to have a, to listen to Bruce's class. Any comments, questions at all? Yes, Manishi. But how aware, how aware are you? 
Yeah, because if you're really aware, it's just like, like there's, there's an interesting story. Um, Prabhupada uh, was with, with, sitting with a friend when, when he was at Grihasta, and his son was there, and his son was wanting to touch the fan, the, the spinning blades on the fan. And, and so because, you know, he could see the fan was spinning and things like that. But, um, and Prabhupada kept pulling his son back so he wouldn't touch the fan. But at one point the friend said, unplug, turn the fan off, then let him touch it. And then he'll get realization. Why? Because you get pain, but it won't hurt him. Yeah? So sometimes, you know, in order to get the realization, that's it. Because we have jnana, but not vijnana. You know, when we actually have vijnana, it means we realize, we understand deeply practical, because Vikyan also relates to practical application. So because we only have Gyan, we read, we read the Shastra and we see, oh, how this material life is suffering. You know? And even, you know, I had an experience um, in 2019, I was in hospital and I was very close to dying. Uh, and um, from that I gained some minuscule realization. But it's worn off. Uh, you know, at the time I was very serious and, oh, you know, I've got to become really serious about Krishna consciousness and stuff like that. But after some time, because, of, you know, because the realization wasn't that deep, um, and, and maybe I didn't work uh, seriously enough on trying to deepen the realization, it wears off. And then we start thinking, oh, yeah, I'm actually enjoying this material. It's, it's a good... Uh, huh? Yeah, but you also think you can enjoy you actually think, because, because this, this notion of being the controller and enjoyer, this artificial idea of being the controller and the enjoyer in the material world goes very deep. It, it's coming from lifetimes of, 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 you know, countless lifetimes of being in this material world and trying to control and trying to enjoy. And, you know, the way the material nature works is she covers over our intelligence and we're thinking, okay, it didn't work this time, but next time it will. Uh, and we keep going like that. We think next time, next time, okay, maybe my children didn't work out. Th this child's not so good, but I'll have another child, yeah, and that one will be better. Yeah? Or maybe this marriage didn't work out. Uh, this 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 husband, you're no good. But let me get another husband. I'll be, this one will be better. I'll, I'll, I'll pick the right one this time. Yeah? And you've got people who are going through their lives. That, I mean, you know, some of these like you know famous personalities in Hollywood and different places. They've had more husbands or wives than you can count but they're still not happy. You know, and it's, just, it's just foolishness. But, you know, so at least for us as devotees, we, we, we should start to reflect on these things and, and, you know, and contemplate these things deeply. And this is why it's important to read, but not just read. It's not like, you know, read and see how many pages you can get through in a day. What do you understand about what you're reading? It's good to reflect very deeply. And, and even like, you know, I, I have this study process where what I do is, is I... Um, read the verses and, 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 and look at what's Srila Prabhupada telling me here? What's Krishna telling me here? And then, you know, what do I need to work on myself? Every verse is not, you know, you're not going to get this information from every verse, but what, what's going on here in, in this pastime that I can apply in my life? Uh, what prayers do I need to, you know, be offering? What should I be thankful for? Like, reflect on all these things, you know. It's good to read, but all, like, you know, in the morning and night I just read, but it's not a study thing. But then to sit down and study the books and go very deep in the books. Because when you engage with the book, and this is the point, it's not just about, you know, flicking pages and, oh, you know, I read 20 slokas today. It's about engaging with the book, engaging with the philosophy and, 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 and internalizing it so it actually becomes part of your, your existence. 
And so that's why it's, you know, it's important to regularly read, to study, but also to reflect deeply on what we're learning here and, and, and look at ourselves and think, okay, what is it that I'm not doing in my life that I can improve by understanding this point? Because you know, the, the fact that we're here in, this material, in the material world means that we've got shortcomings. But we're very fortunate that by the mercy of Srila Prabhupada and the Vaishnavas and, and the Supreme Personality of God, we've come into contact with the process of devotional service. So, yeah, you just have to apply yourself and, and try to deepen the realizations. Yes, you're not going to ask me a difficult question, are you? didn't clearly hear the first part of your question, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's interesting you ask that. I was listening to Prabhupada giving class on Bhagavad Gita yesterday at, at uh, Dr. Dr. Mishra's Yoga Society. And, and he, he was talking about um, um, the difference between um, devotees and non-devotees when it comes to death. And, and, and he, it was a similar kind of, kind of a, a point. So the thing, the thing is, it's like for a devotee, when, when, when death comes, and we see this so often, is devotees aren't fearful of death because what they see is that for, you know, when they die, they're just going, they're going to go back to the spiritual world, they're going to go back to Krishna. So for them, it's not a fearful situation. But for the materialist, because what's happening is all my plans are going to be thwarted, all my plans are going to come to an end. You know, Prabhupada talks about that person had cerebral thrombosis, and he was asking the doctor for just a few more years, why? So I can realize my plans. Yeah. So in the same way, like devotees, they have calamities. Uh, approaching them. I was, just, I was reflecting on this this morning, actually, because um, we see that, you know, in, in the lives of, of, of great devotees, we, we see that they, they, there's so many calamities. Look at the Pandavas. They, they had so many calamities happen. And, you know, Kunti, that she's got that um, she's saying, let the calamities come again and again. I mean, of course, you know, I never pray like that. Yeah, I was just saying, please let the calamities go away. But Kunti, you know, she's got, because she's an elevated soul, and actually Prabhupada says she's the Aracharya. She's a very, very elevated devotee. And she's praying that let the calamities come again and again. And then she says, why? Because when the calamities come, we think of you. And when we think of you, we no longer fear repeated birth and death. So this is the point. It's like calamities are going to be there because you're in the material world. You just have to accept that, even as a young girl you're going to experience calamities in your life. You just can't avoid it. You know, when, when, you know like dearly beloved ones are going to die. You're going to ha you know, fall off your bike and scrape your elbow and all different types of stuff, you know, from varying degrees to really, really major things to small things. Um, but the point is, you know, or, or, or the focus should be, is okay, these calamities are happening, but how can I remember Krishna in this situation? How can I use this as, a, as an impetus to become deeper in my Krishna consciousness. 
And I remember when I was in hospital in London, because I mean, I, the ward I was in, there was a lot of really sick people there. And, and like I was observing the way they were, were responding and I was also observing the way the nurses were responding to them. And mostly they were fearful, very, very fearful. But I was happy, I was peaceful. That's one of the few times I've actually been peaceful because I knew that you know, I couldn't control the outcome had no idea where it was going, but it was in Krishna's hands completely. And then one, one morning when I was sitting there reflecting on that, it was like the sun was coming up and I was looking out the window across, because I was up on quite high up and you could see across London. There's not many tall buildings in London. And um, so I was looking out uh, across London and Merli Manaha, who, Prabhu, who was the head Pajari at that time, and I was reflecting like that and he sent me a text message and so I was sitting there chanting my japa, reflecting on it. He sent me this text message, and in the text message was a picture of Radha London Ishra's uh, lotus feet. So that just like reaffirmed for me that, yeah, this is, this is really what I've got to do. This is, you know, what, whatever happens in life, whatever calamity befalls me, is I just need to use this as an impetus to become more attached to Krishna. Huh? Okay. Anirudhava, good to see you. That's a good one, isn't it? <laughs> I like that myself. And I thought that was... I think that's what he's referring to. You know, that at that time, they, they were cryogenically uh, preserving yeah. people <laughs> with the promise that they'll wake them up again. Yeah. Well, so, so, so many, there's so many things, though, uh, you find the materialists are trying to overcome the forces of material nature, like with death, with aging, with health. You know, like, like all these operations they do, trying to overcome health issues and trying to, you know, but people get sick and, 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 and like they cure one disease and a disease that, that's 10 times worse comes along. I, I, I remember when I was um, living in Melbourne as, 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 a, as a kid, I was living out in the, in the eastern suburbs with my rel relatives and they had a friend who was 35 years old and, and he got cancer. And everyone was so shocked that someone so young should get cancer because, you know, in those days, that was only something that old people got. You know, you're in your 50s, 60s, or 70s, you get cancer. But now we find that babies are born with cancer. So we're seeing, like, you know, that, you know they're trying to manipulate this material nature, trying to be God. And the material nature is actually just running, running all over them, just walking all over them completely. And they're not actually becoming yeah. God. They're not promoting cryogenic uh, uh, preservation anymore either. No, the, 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 <laughs> w w one guy they froze, I think it was Walt Disney, he thawed out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, something like that. So it's just like, you know, no, it, it's, yeah. They, they keep promising they're going to make us, you know, live longer, live happier, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, it's just that the, the grief is just increasing. I mean, just like, just look at what's happening with the petrol prices right now. 
You know, and that's just causing so much distress for people. And, and that's just the beginning. You know, it's just going to get worse and worse and worse. So, yeah, not a fit place for a gentleman. Okay. Thank you all very much. Shri Prabhupada ki, Samaveta Bhaktivinoda ki, Jai Nitai Gopremanandi.